mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. We worship. Thank you for new joy. Thank you for new peace. Thank you that everything changes tonight. In Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say with me. Amen. Let's give Jesus a round of praise. So awesome to be with you tonight. Thank you for coming out. I really believe that the Lord gave me a word for tonight. So trusting the Lord to do something in your lives tonight. Firstly, before I start, I just want to honor our prophet and our pastor, Prophet Gerber and Pastor Shannon. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to preach tonight. Um, I honor you as, as our leaders. Do you know, I've, I've been in many churches throughout my life, and, and we've got some of the best leaders in the world. So let's just take a moment to honor them. And I want to honor all of the other pastors and leaders that's here in front. Thank you so much for entrusting me. I really appreciate all of you. Amen. You can take your seats. Let's get into the Word of God. Are you ready? If you're not ready, say, wait a minute. Okay, there's nobody. Awesome. So the first scripture that I want to start with is um, in the book of Nehemiah. For the young people in the building, this, this is in the Old Testament. Okay, the book of Nehemiah. We're going to go to chapter number 4 and we're going to read from verse 10. It says, In Judah it was said, so let's see if it's on the board. Not yet. Let's give them, there we go. It says, In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Say with me, by ourselves. I'm going to talk tonight about the power of us. Not the power of the US, the power of us. So it says, by ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. I want to give you some context here. This scripture might be a little bit foreign to you. In 2 Kings chapter number 24, we see the Babylonians enter Jerusalem. They destroy the city, they destroy the walls, and they take all of God's people, all the Israelites captive, and they take them back to the city of Persia, or the country of Persia. Now they are captive there for a long time, and eventually after a couple of decades, some of the Israelites return back home. They go back to Jerusalem, and they're like, okay, we're going to start rebuilding the city again. Now we find this scripture, what we just read now, is, is where we find the, a guy named Nehemiah. Now some of the people have already returned to Jerusalem and they have tried to rebuild the city, but they, they weren't that successful. They did some things, but they, the city's wall, the, the wall of protection was still broken. And a lot of the city was still in ruins. And now we see this guy called Nehemiah. He's still in Persia. He's God's, he's God's people, he's part of the Israelites, but he's still in Persia, he's serving the king there. He's the king's cupbearer, so I think that that job would have sucked. Eh? You have to sit next to the king, and when somebody brings the king a drink, you have to first taste it, which would be nice because you, you can drink nice stuff, but on the other hand, if that drink is poison, you die first. So I, I don't think I want that job. 
So anyway, Nehemiah is there still in Persia, and one day a guy comes to him and he says, listen, have you heard that Jerusalem is still laying in ruins? The walls are broken, the city is broken and destroyed, and God puts in Nehemiah's heart a desire to go back to his home and rebuild the city. Just like Nehemiah received a purpose from the Lord, a destiny, so each and every one of you that sit here tonight has a destiny, has a purpose. I don't know where you came from. I don't know. Maybe you don't even know your parents. But the Lord sent you here to earth to do something. Nehemiah was sent to restore the city. God wants to use your life to restore this world. God wants to bring restoration through you. He wants to restore other people. He wants to restore this world. He wants to bring restoration through you. Every one of you that sit here, you might feel like a mistake. Maybe you're very old and you feel like, listen, I've accomplished nothing in my life. It's not too late. God used Moses at the age of 80. Abraham, he used at a very old age. God can use, even when Caleb was 80 years old, he says, my strength is still good. Give me the mountains. So God can use you no matter your age, no matter where you come from, you are here for a purpose. There's a reason why you look like you and nobody else looks like you. There's a reason that your voice sounds like you. Uh, Apostle Stephen said something long, uh, way back. He said that, that um, Zacchaeus, he was a very short man. Now, it must have sucked to be that short. But until he needed to climb into a tree and because of his stature, he met Jesus. If he wasn't that short, he would have never climbed the tree and Jesus would have never looked up. So God made you like you are for a reason. There's a purpose. Amen. Okay, so let's get back to the story. So Nehemiah, 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 I don't know who's that. Nehemiah needed to go back to Jerusalem to restore the walls. And in the story, we can see clearly that the devil doesn't want restoration to take place. Satan doesn't want restoration to take place in your life. He wants, you, he wants to keep you broken. He wants to keep you lost. He wants to keep you busy with a lot of other things like business and all of that stuff. And business is very good. But unless it takes you away from the law. He wants to keep you busy with, there's so many things that Satan wants to keep us busy. He wants to, he wants to keep us from being restored. And let's go to, to verse seven. So it says when, so this is just Nehemiah went to the city and now we, we get to this place. But when Sanballat and Tobiah heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. A lot of us turn to the Lord. We start getting our life together. The Holy Spirit starts repairing us. <laughs> that makes the devil angry. He doesn't like that. So he'll bring anything into your life to stop that process. He'll bring anything into your life, any distraction to stop you from reaching who God made you to be. So let's just read that again. When Sambalat and Tobiah heard that the repairing of this, the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and the, the breaches were be, beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause confusion in it. How many of us has ever faced confusion in our lives? 
even me. See, if you've been in this church long enough, you would have heard Prophet Gibbet speak about the spirit of Sanballat and Tobiah. Now, this is the same spirit that operated in Goliath. What did Goliath do? He was, he was a guy that talked a lot. He mocked the, the God's people. He made them timid. He paralyzed them by his words. Now, these spirits operate in, in, in people's lives. They come, they bring dismay, they bring paralysis, they bring fear, and they bring isolation. Say with me, isolation. This is what these spirits wants to do. Want to bring isolation. So that you are here in the corner by yourself. Thinking, oh, the world is too heavy for me. They want to bring fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of this, fear of that. They want to bring fear. Look at what happens. So these guys plot and they want to come and fight against Nehemiah. Nehemiah and his team are making great progress. They're building the wall, they're closing the breaches, and now this enemy comes and they try to attack. And this makes them split up. Some of the people are working and other people are standing guard. So listen to the scripture. This is the one that we opened with. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Why are Christians, a lot of Christians, when you talk to them, so tired, burnt out, lukewarm? Because of those two words, by ourselves. By ourselves. You know how many times I've, I've heard, you know, I don't need the church. I am the church. No, 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 you're not the church. You're only a part of the church. Many people say, no, I, I can't go to life group on a, on a Thursday evening because my schedule looks a little bit busy. It's getting quiet in here now. I'm tired after work. So many Christians, there's, I, I mean, what was one of the other things? Oh, yes, uh, other one that I heard is I don't need community around me. I'm spiritual enough. By ourselves, we are not able to bear the burden. The workers said, there is too much rubble. Sometimes you need spirit-filled people. Not even sometimes, all the time. You need spiritual people around you that will look through the rubble to find the real you. I mean, here in front, it's Pastor Stefan. I was here in church serving, catching people and doing playing in the band and whatever I could find to do. He gave me the first preaching opportunity. My very first sermon that I did, I did at a camp that Pastor Stefan gave me. Pastor Eric, he's like the greatest encourager. If I feel like, yeah, I can't do anything, he's like, no, 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 you've got this. Many of my friends sit in the building, they've been like, when I've messed up, they're like, hey, stop it. Many of my life group members that sit in, in the church and my previous life group members sit in church, they've been there to pray for me when I was sick. Back in 2020, I was really sick and they pitched up at my house, a lot of them, and they prayed for me. Times where I felt burnt out, I sent one of them a message and said, listen, I, I feel really burnt out, please pray for me. And they did. What I wanna say is there's power in community. There's power in, 
in leadership, there's power in mentorship, there's power in life groups, there's power in volunteering, there's power in church. Church is power. If an enemy comes through that door and he comes running to me and he wants to attack me, by myself I won't maybe be able to fight him. But if this whole church stands up, what is that guy going to do? Nothing. Because there's power in church. There's power in community. There's power in togetherness. There's no power in I. Jesus had an us. Jesus was the Son of God. He had all the power in the world. Yet, did He do it alone? No, what was one of the first things that He did when He started His ministry? He called disciples. He called 12. He said, come and follow me. Follow in my footsteps. They did life together. They ate together. In the evenings, they pitched up tents together. They They slept together. They did life together. They did ministry together. They did work together. Even when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two to go, when He sent them out to, into the towns to preach the gospel, He sent them out two by two. They didn't send them out alone. Why? Because there's power in togetherness. There's power in the us. While I was preparing this and I thought about the power of the us and I felt like God said to me that Jesus went to the cross alone so that we don't have to be alone. Loneliness was nailed to the cross with Jesus so that we can now be together. Alone has lost its power. I want to say something radical you can't just be an online Christian. I know there's some people that's in a, in a country or a, a place where there might not be a church near, but I mean, I, I monitor this, the stream sometimes on a Sunday, and then I see people logging in, and they're like, hey, watching from Montana, hey, watching from Victoria North. I'm like, yeah, just get in your car and come here. You can't, you can't just be an online Christian. I want to tell you a quick testimony. Back in 2019, I, I went through a really bad time and Satan really attacked my mind and I, I started feeling really depressed, like serious depression. There was a stage for about two weeks that I, I didn't get out of bed at all. I, in the mornings, I woke up and I just, I had no, in Afrikaans we say, list for the Nothing. I felt heavy. I felt disconnected. I felt isolated. And it came over a long period of time, we know, where I started believing Satan's lies. But one thing that I promised myself is I will not stop coming to church. But they were in that stage, like I, I had thoughts of suicide. It was serious. But I would wait until, because I didn't really want to deal with people. So I waited until the church starts. Like 10 minutes after, I would sneak in there at the back and sit there at the back. And then that sermon would energize my spirit. And then throughout that week, you know, it would, it's like food that I get and it will take me through the week. And then by like Saturday, I'm running on empty, like serious empty. 
I think about suicide again and you know, I, I just feel like there's no hope. And then the Sunday comes, I sneak in and I sat, sit there at the back again. And then one Sunday, I think I did it for like four or five weeks. One Sunday, as I was walking out, I was going through for that door when, when service finished because I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't feel, I wasn't in the mood. I felt heavy. Pastor Carl saw me. For those of you who remember Pastor Carl, thank God for Pastor Carl. He saw me and he, he called me. It's like, Sian, come here. And I walked to him. <sighs> I must just, I don't want to cry. And he said to me, Thank you, Lord. He said to me that your life is like a clock. At the front, it looks like nothing is happening. That thing is ticking very slowly. But on the backside, there's many gears that are running. And God is sorting out things for you. God is working behind the scenes. Because it felt like in that stage of my life that my life was going nowhere. Why am I telling you this story? Because if I wasn't in community, if I wasn't in the us, I don't know where I would be today, whether I would be alive or not, I don't know. That word changed me. It gave me a hope. And then after that, I, I, went to sit to Pastor, uh, I went to talk to Pastor Stefan and we had this conversation and, and I told him about everything and you know how I felt and he, he kind of rebuked me. <laughs> He stuck his finger in my face like this. He said, you are deceived. You're believing the lies of the devil. You're angry at God. And he said, you need to go and repent towards the Lord. And that afternoon I went home. I repented. I was like, Lord, I'm sorry that I'm angry at you. And everything changed. Depression left. Can we just give Jesus a praise for that? There is power in the us. If I were an online Christian, no hope. No hope. There's power. There's love in community. So I want to just invite you, if you live close to church, please come. <laughs> Don't sit on your couch. Please come. Amen. So let's go on with the story. So now we see that these guys are complaining. They're like, listen, this is too much for us to bear. Now we, we skip down to verse 14. And it says, I think you guys are on, on verse 11. Verse 14. I want to do like prophet does. One, two, three, go. Okay, there we go. Thank you, it works. <laughs> okay. Listen to this. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people. And I paraphrase this. And I looked to empower church and said to you, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of your enemies. Do not be afraid of your burdens. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You might sit here tonight and you feel like there's no hope. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. 
God, guys, we are in a battle. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sisters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your husband. Fight for your homes. Fight for community. What did COVID do? It isolated people. It was a tactic of the devil to keep people away from church. Fight for your homes. Fight for community. Then we go to <clears throat> verse 16 and 17. There we go. I'm going to read the last part of verse 16. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah. Can you see they together here? Who were building the wall? Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon in the other. When they came together, they built this wall in 52 days. History says that the, the, way, the guys that went before them took 50 years to restore some of the things in, in, in Jerusalem and they didn't do it. 52 days when they were together, they restored the wall. There is power in the us. I want to share with you just four keys as I'm ending. Four keys that's important to know out of this text that we read today. Number one, don't journey alone. Say with me, don't journey alone. Amen. Don't skip church. Come. Don't skip life group. Go. Don't journey alone. When they were divided, no progress was made. I want to say something. If you're in this church and you're not connected somewhere, it's not the church's fault, it's your fault. There are many vehicles of connection in this place. A Sunday service is not just connection. We need small family. We need to journey with people, people that we can touch. We've got EBI, we've got life groups, we've got volunteer groups, we've got ministry team. There's so many vehicles of of discipleship in this church. If you feel lonely, connect to something. Step out. Even if you're an introvert, step out. There's people that will like you. I promise. Maybe you don't like yourself, but there's people that will like you. I promise you. I like most of you. And the other ones I don't know, so I'll probably like you too. Number two, so the first one was, don't journey alone. Number two, pray together and for one another. In verse nine of, of, of this, um, of Nehemiah 4, we read that they prayed together. They went to God and said, Lord, our enemies are too much. And they prayed to God and God helped them. Think about that scripture in, in Matthew 18, 19, where it says, where two or more agree on something. Other one in Acts chapter number 12, where the church prayed for Peter who was in prison. And God released him. When you pray for one another, I want to ask the life group leaders in this place, pray for your people. Make time to pray for them. Make time to pray together in the life groups. Let's pray for one another. 
Number three, work together. Scripture the Lord gave me here was Ephesians 4.11 that talks about the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. If those five don't work together, the church will be divided. The church will go nowhere. We have to work together. I'm not saying if you work at McDonald's, get your friend to come and work at McDonald's too. Maybe if it's unemployed, do that. But we have to work together towards a vision. As many of you know that we're launching the Empower Village here across the road. That's a vision that our prophet gave us. Work together, put your money there. Sow into that vision. Let's work together to see the vision fulfilled. Amen. Number four. I see some of you are saying, yeah, thank God this guy is almost finished. Fight together. What did these guys do? In the one hand, they had their working tools, and in the other hand, they had a sword. Many of the, many of the times, Satan comes for, for us, comes to attack us. But if you fight together, we will beat him every single time. Pray for your, pray for your, um, your friends. Pray for your fellow brothers and sisters. Stand with them. Counsel them. Give them advice. Encourage them. Fight together. Somebody going through a hard time, help them. Fight together. Can I maybe ask that you put, put up uh, Luke 22 verse 31? Father, the Lord gave me the scripture just before I left home to this, this afternoon. Luke 22, verse 31. And it says, And the Lord says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat. Uh, next one, please. But I have prayed for you. Satan came against Peter. Jesus says, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. What is that? The power of us. Jesus fought for Peter. Peter went back to community and he strengthened his brothers. The power of us. I want to end with a, a scripture. It's quite a long one. Yes, that somebody likes Bible. Amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 to 18. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chooses. We all are different in this place. None of us are the same. And thank God for that. 
but we are put together as a body to, to function as one body. So that's why when people say, no, I don't need a church, I am the church, then I just refer them to the scripture. Because you are a pinky by yourself. And a pinky is not going to do a lot by itself. But when the pinky is part of the hand, it can accomplish something. Amen. I want to end with these remarks. Don't let Satan isolate you. Look at the distractions that has been sent into your life. I always measure this for myself. Whatever comes into my life, whether it be um, a person or a, a job or money, whatever it may be. If I come to church less, because since that thing came into my life, it's a, it's a big red flag. Don't let things distract you and isolate you. That's where Satan wants you to be. Because that's where you say, the burdens are too much for me to bear. And then he takes you out. But while you're in this place, there's power. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you that as we end the service tonight, I'm going to ask Pastor Derek to, to come in a second. Um, he's just going to do the announcements for us. So I want to ask you this two things that I want to do. Number one is, if you're not connected to a life group, please there at the back, there's a connect corner. After the service, please go there and, and put up your name and get connected to a life group. I know we say this every Sunday and some of you think, oh, can they just stop with this? Listen, it's important. We won't say it as much if it's not important. If you have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody at, at your previous life group, forgive them. Let them go and join again. Amen. Last call that I want to make before I give over to Pastor Derek is if you are in this place, I felt like the Lord said to me that He wants to deliver people from fear and isolation. If there's a Goliath in your life, I'm not saying like a small problem. If there's something that you look at in your life and you have no clue how you will defeat this thing and you feel gripped with fear, you feel isolated. You feel like you have no hope. That's those spirits that I was talking about that's attacking your life. I want you to come forward tonight and we're going to lay hands on you. You're going to ask all of the pastors to pray with you. And let's trust the Lord to set you free. That from this place, that from tonight, you will go and you will join a community. And you will be together as one. Amen. If there's somebody like that, I want you to please come forward and I just want to lay hands on you and pray for you. If you feel gripped with fear, if you feel like things are too heavy, facing something that you don't have the answer for, please come forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for every person, Lord, that comes forward tonight. Lord, I ask you that you'll set them free. I ask you that by your spirit, Lord, that you'll, that you'll set them free. Lord, every spirit of fear, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Every spirit, Lord, that wants to isolate your people, I bind those spirits in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Father, as we lay hands on them tonight, Lord, that you'll set them free. I pray, Lord, that you'll make a way. Just like David, Lord, defeated Goliath, I pray tonight, Lord, that as we lay hands on them, that you will move the giant out of their way. 
In Jesus' name. I, I want you right there where you are. Just to have this because close your eyes for me just for a second. I want you just to get, get this picture in your mind. The Bible says that the earth is a footstool for God's feet. The Bible says that He holds the dust of the earth in the palm of His hand. When He speaks, mountain crumbles. There's fire in His eyes. He's so great that when He moves, a thousand or a million stars gets made. He made the sun, He made the planets. I want you just to get a perspective of how big God is. And once you see that God is so big, so wonderful, He knows your name. The Bible says that when a hair falls off of your head, He knows about it. God knows your problems. He knows your challenges. And let's trust Him tonight. He's big. He's more than willing to help you. So I want you to give your Goliath over to Him. In Jesus' name. Thank you, pastors.